Welcome to Funny Minds, and I'm your host, Lynn B., and I have my co-host to my right, Edward Biss, and... Howdy! Let's do it! He's going to introduce our guest for today. This is his second podcast with us, so we're very excited to have him back. And who is he, Eddie? Yeah, we're going uh, part two of our podcast today. We did uh, just shot part one with Mr. Mike Bosworth today. Mike is a very special guest to the show because of many reasons, one of which we are in his studio. And we thank him immensely. So they will do what they're told. Yes. (laughs) No, they do uh, what I tell them to do. That's true. (laughs) I've never had a second date before, so I don't know how to act. (laughs) Mike, uh, you know, if he gets frustrated, he will stab me in the butt with a fondue fork. But that's just, I I don't fault him. That's just what he's into. But Mr. Mike Bosworth is a uh, musician, a writer. He's uh, had a successful podcast. He is a professional in the world of forensics and crash reconstruction and lots of good legal, good, you know, testifying and, you know, who who's at fault because someone's head popped off and, you know, how fast was the car going in order for the head to pop off. That's interesting stuff. And he does a lot of... And he was originally an EMT, so that's what started him. Yeah, so uh, round two with Mr. Bosworth today, we're going to dive into some of his uh, professional endeavors leading up to where he is today. Okay, so all you... Ask away. All you, Mike. Oh, I'm not just running a narrative. Ask me a question. Okay, so you started as an EMT where? Here in Florida? Uh, In Brevard Brevard County, so when I was still in school, uh, they were looking for... Uh, volunteers, uh, some of the classes that I was in, um, it was required, or not required, but it would help you. So I I think it was like a college success skills course or something like that, that if you, through one of these uh, uh, programs, if you were to volunteer through one of these programs, it would be extra credit. And back when I was in school, I kind of um, took the position that there was no such thing as extra credit. So uh, I went on ahead and did it as though it were as though it were required, and I do apologize, <clears throat> having a little trouble speaking. But the um, do you want to do uh, a dick? <laughs> Why are these here <laughs> to entice people? <laughs> people who oh, like there we go. Dicks. There we go, James. Oh, oh, we got some water for you. You're the you. best studio engineer. Thank you. Oh, if he was the best, he would have came in with like a hundred-year-old scotch for you. <laughs> then you would have started getting, you know, plain banjo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, he was playing deliverance music earlier. He I was, was already getting worried. On but, the dobro out there. Yes. It was awesome. So where in school, where, where in Brevard did you go to school? I went to uh, Brevard Community College. I believe it's called Eastern College now. But at that time, uh, I kind of started school late. I was 26 years old. I got sick of working in construction and uh, it wasn't necessarily the money was bad, but it kind of ebbed, ebbed and flowed. So I wanted to get something that was a little bit more consistent. Uh, and I went in on a two plus two. So my, my degrees, both my bachelor's and master's, both are from the University of Florida. But Florida, a Gators. lot of people know this. Yeah, Gator. <laughs> so I'm a Gator. Um, awesome. But essentially, if you finish a two-year program in uh, Florida, you're sure to float, not necessarily the school you want, but you're sure to get into a Florida University, and so I, mm-hmm. I tried to squeeze my way in, um, and fortunately, they accepted me. It was the first school that I applied for, and I got accepted, so 
but anyhow, um, the uh, started went and got um, all the training. So we did BLS, which is basic life support, advanced life support, uh, packaging is what they call it. How you uh, transport people? Well. <laughs> Now, if they were obviously dead, now that's a that's a story. If you want to talk about, oh, that. I can't wait to get to those. So, uh, do you want you want me to cut go to that? Well, well, and you're dealing with uh, my mother was a LPN at one point. Yes, so. I first started out going to nursing school. Yes, and worked in a hospital and decided this is not for me and went back to college. I decided it was not for me either. Mm-hmm. It was uh, I had a really nasty MVA on I ninety five, and it completely took it out. Really? So yes, even though even though years later, um, it this would be part of what I do. Uh, I've kind of had to get adjusted to it, but I we had actually picked up people, um, usually embarrassed because they were having some kind of panic attack or something like mm-hmm. that, and then we took them to the hospital, and and it was essentially a panic attack. Just people really stressed out and wound right. up. The uh, first time that I not it wasn't my first MBA that level of MVA, I had a panic attack. So I had a sense of what that actually meant because Mm -hmm. I could not breathe. I could not orient myself. My paramedic realized that something was wrong with me. And so she's like, well, just going ahead and just go out and keep people away from the scene. Um, And then uh, she came back over and she's like, are you okay? And I said, I don't know. I don't know what's, what's going on. What's wrong with me? She's like, why don't you get in the, the, ambulance and so I went and got inside and then everything happened which I felt really bad because everybody's having to do the work and I was supposed to be there but I just couldn't get my my bearings it was weird right but uh they the the people that were involved well it was one person actually um it was very obvious she was not gonna make it and so instead so we didn't have to transport her which is good and they called another company called Coastal and Coastal are some of the most interesting people I've ever met. They they kind of do all the cleanup. They kind of exist doing the things that nobody wants to do. Okay. Yeah, I understand. Yeah. But they love their job. Mm-hmm. And so talking to these guys, you're just like, wow, you know, because they tell their stories. and uh, Oh, and they have some great stories. Yeah. Well, they were telling me. I'm like sitting here mildly horrified and they're talking about somebody that was uh, electrocuted and as they were trying to slide him into the bag, the skin kept coming off. I'm like, and they're laughing and they're just absolutely <laughs> loving it. I'm, hey, listen, it's got to take a special you know breed. It That's does. how we were in, in nursing school. We'd go to a diner and we'd be talking about all these horrific things, not even paying attention to the fact that people were starting to leave their seats because we're not even thinking like yeah. to us. This was normal, yeah. but to other people, it's not normal. No. You know, no, especially when you're eating. Well, especially. <laughs> well, when you're yeah, that's disco true. fries. <laughs> disco Don't fries mess with my Jersey. disco fries. But that's you know, if the, anything's going to do it to you, you know, yeah. and panic attacks are no joke. Obviously, I have I've them. Had one I've had them. them. Uh, yeah. They are no joke until you have one because you think you're having a heart attack. But I was convinced I was having a heart. Attack. Like I was just like, that's it. This is it. You know, but it's better that you found out early. You know mm-hmm. that you couldn't deal with this. It's and such a weird life. I mean, like everybody involved, like we would get um, an accident. So if somebody gets hit by a car and they end up with a femur break, which is kind of an unusual break, and they would put them in a hair traction splint, 
And so that was so these people would be in miserable pain. It was obvious, just screaming upset. And they put them in the hair traction sweat, and you tighten it up. And what it does, it pulls the bone. Mm-hmm. And then you can overlap them to basically put them where they're supposed to be as you transport them. And the level of relief just immediately, like, oh, you know, right, this, right. this is just... the greatest thing in the world. So that was something I learned. But, <laughs> but the reason I bring it up is, like, surgeons and stuff, they would, I don't know, they would tell stories like somebody's missing this section. They're having to put the femur back together. And so they would position the leg in unusual just because they thought it was funny. Yeah, you know, yeah. It's like, you know. Throw his leg over his chest while you're People waiting to really get the should like, not know what goes on in the operating They should not <laughs> know what's going on. <laughs> or they'll never want to be operated again. Another one, I'm sitting there, and the paramedics and the police are all together, and they're reading the suicide note from this guy. And oh. This, well, he's oh. not dead. He's He um, took a, a bunch of drugs, and um, and I because I spoke to the doctor, the doctor said, uh, I said he's going to make it, and he's like, yeah, you know, maybe 50-50. He goes, but usually they'll they'll find a way to make it work. And it was like the yeah. saddest thing, but the suicide note. So he's reading it, and he's like apologizing to his mom and everything. But uh, he was talking about his cat. So the biggest deal that was going on in his life was his cat and that whoever had to take care of the cat. And there was this whole list of instructions. And he was making such a fuss, it was funny. And so they were laughing, and I'm sitting there horrified. And the paramedic goes, he's watching me. He's this... Uh, um, what's this a barbershop singer? So he's one of like four people. Oh, like yeah. a barbershop quartet. Yeah. 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 And he was really, really good. Oh, really cool guy. No. Yes. Da, da, thank da, da, you. Da, da, da. <laughs> but he, uh, he saw what was going on with me and he just really quickly is like, look, dude, if you take this stuff serious at all, it'll burn you up. And he's like, and I'm like, okay. So, and that actually helped to kind of realize you need to keep a level of separation from reality and what it is that you're dealing with, um, or uh, I guess what you're dealing with in the moment and how it can possibly affect you. So you try to create that separation between the way that it would normally affect anyways. But Well, you can't sympathize. You have to empathize. Yeah. You know, and just be totally outside of yourself. And, you know, people don't get the correlation between that. But you have to. If you're going to stay in that type of career... Nurses, doctors, aides, EMTs, lab assistants, whatever, whoever you're going to be in the medical profession, you've got to just remove yourself from all of that. And, and, and seriously, bless these people. It's like, um, <laughs> oh, and yeah. this is going to be the most depressing episode you guys have ever made. So. No. But, but interesting. No, welcome to the but darkness. it's very interesting. So you went from an EMT, and how long were you an EMT? Uh, less than less than a year. Okay. But what you were, but you were, I just want to say something about what you were just talking about. The my daughter, my middle daughter, she had a friend. Okay. And he was um he was in a children's hospital, and she's like, "Can I go visit them?" I was like, "Sure." So, I take her there, and she brings her video game system. It's like a PS3, whatever, mm-hmm. and uh, there so that they can play video games. So she's like, "Okay, you can leave now," and I'm like, "Well, you know, you're." Well, like, whatever, 13, 12, 13 years old, I can't just leave somebody else, you know, responsible for you. So the nurse comes in, and I'm like, hey, is it it okay if she stays here? And it was her reaction was so funny. She's looking around. You mean you want a child to stay here? It's like, "Mm." (laughs) She's like, no, it's perfectly fine. So I left her there. When I came back, um, the kid's mom was there. Anyways, you know, it's uh, they're they're talking about some procedure he's got to get done, and he's like, yeah, that should give us a little bit more time. And I was like, a little bit more time for what? And he's like, you know. And I'm like, 
and I look over at his mom and I said, is he like really, really sick? She's like, yeah, she goes, we, you know, we should get six months or whatever. And I'm like, Ooh, wow. Uh, uh, you know, the kind of the realization, like whatever I was complaining about before, then absolutely nothing. But I realized one thing, the, the nurses, like the people you're talking about, the medical Mm -hmm. staff, they deal with all of that and they get to know these people and, and like, I've, I've met people that are like, oh, my dad's sick, he's in the hospital, but I don't want to remember him that way. I want to remember him when he was alive and he was full of energy. And, but the problem is, if you don't have the courage to visit somebody and be there for them mm-hmm. when they're, you know, pretty much days away from checking out, then they, they die alone. And it's mm-hmm. Virtually, yes. And so right. these nurses that stay with these children, even <laughs> though it's going to rip their heart out, I mean, guaranteed... But they do what they have to do. That That is a kind of strength that uh, I, I don't even understand. It's beyond conception for it a is. lot of people. Yeah. So Because most people don't even want to give you the right time of day, let alone, you know, stay. Well, how many people would you know is going to sit, come upon an accident and hold somebody's hand knowing that they're going to die? No, you're going to take off to the hills. You're not going to worry about your fellow man and most most, but I do have several, uh, you know, I've done oh, no, probably yeah, over a thousand yeah. car crashes. Yeah. And every once in a while, there it's exactly <laughs> you what you just said. Person, There's somebody yes. that'll just hang out with them until they're gone, so they don't die alone. I would do that. Yeah. I mean, one time I stopped I stopped in the middle of the street, because this poor lady, she was trying to get, she had a cane. She wasn't that old, but she was having a trial, trouble trying to get off the curb to step down. I guess she was afraid she was going to fall. So I just stopped in the middle of the street. I said to my daughter, get out of the car and go help that lady across the street, and I'll pull over to the side. Because everybody's going by. Everybody's watching her. Nobody would stop and help this poor woman, which is terrible. I yeah. mean, and we as, as, as uh, you know, human beings should really worry about helping our fellow man. That's what it's all about, you know. Yep, that's so the they, Boy Scout thing there. Yeah, they, they <laughs> deserve a lot of credit. Absolutely. And especially during COVID, my God, I mean, you know, the medical really went above and beyond above yeah, and especially beyond, when you don't you know, you know you're, you're getting tossed into something you, you really are kind of clueless yeah. you know it's just like get get there deal with it you know yeah. we'll figure out the rest later you know it's kind of a tough position to be in especially when you're putting yourself in harm's way because no one knew really totally much what and, it was really going to be like. i mean you, you never know i mean it could have wiped out a good portion of your medical establishment if it was something like that you know but yeah. still they did it just like the firemen and cops and everybody that runs they in the buildings did, and, yes. and all that you know yeah they call it heroic it's it's, it's that's an understatement and you're giving your life so it's crazy so you spent a year and from there you went on to learn how to do this forensic work Oh, well it, the two are actually completely unrelated so oh, okay I um a guy named Dr. Eric Kire, one of the very, very brilliant, he's a professor at the University of Florida, very brilliant engineer. Um, I believe, and I, I may not have this correct, but he was one of the design engineers for uh, fuel induction into the uh, Pratt & Whitney F-22 Raptor motors. Oh, um, anyways, Pratt & Whitney. Yeah. <laughs> we made pieces for them. Oh, there you go. <laughs> My company, yeah. Really? Yeah. That's right, TechCast. <laughs> That's right. Um, okay. so I thought you were joking. No. <laughs> See, they're smarter than you gave her credit for. I know. Okay. Uh, so he had recommended me, because I did really well in school. So uh, even though I was no. 
Yeah. So, <laughs> but I yeah, I finished uh like in the two top percent or top two percent, sorry saying I can't speak though. There you go. Of ABET accredited engineers and then the um uh, and then became a an inductee into the order of the engineer or something like that. But anyway All right. uh, well the thing is is when you look at me it, I don't look like a typical high functioning you know, that. anyways. Um, oh, you look like a murderous Lane Staley. Exactly, and that's that's what I was shooting for. But I got a lot of great opportunity from the people that, so, you know, it's like judging a book by its cover, right? Like, right. Mm-hmm. when you first get connected with somebody and they may, you know, whatever, wrinkle their nose at you or whatever, and then you have to kind of win them over. But all my professors won over. You know, we're in the classroom and we're, doing the interaction and answering questions and they see the performance on my, uh, on schoolwork and stuff like that. And I, I, I don't mean to, I'm not bragging at all. Maybe, well, I guess I am, but the oh, point is, yeah. is that <laughs> the professors would go out of their way to create opportunities for me. And this happened twice, which is what led me to the, to the field that I'm working at now. The first one was Dr. Eric Carey. He had recommended me for FSRI which is a Florida Space Research Institute in Brevard County um, at NASA. At that time, it was being changed to space, uh, Spaceport Florida. And these are the years before Elon Musk. Anyways, went and worked there, worked at NASA, uh, had access to everything. I could walk around. Uh, 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 That's going cool as hell. Yeah, down at the launch mm-hmm. ports and then the space station itself. You know, they had the sticky floor when you walked in to pull dust off your feet. And you could touch shows and meet people from all over the world and that sort of thing. Um, That's got to be cool. Yeah, yeah, no, that was cool. Yep, I did that. I mean, very few people e- e- ever get to see anything. Ever. Right. Ever get, well, the people, like if you were a visitor to NASA, they had a hallway and it had blast-proof glass. And you would look through a window, maybe about six inches tall, and you could look at everything that, that I was seeing being inside the room back mm-hmm. then. But, um, and then I was an instructor at the University of Florida. I did uh, 3D drafting. So I go back there after NASA. And another professor, his name is Gary Matthews, he, they needed a recommendation for somebody to do a, uh, a graphic. Um, there was actually a video, so an animation, for a murder case that was on court TV. And I didn't know anything about any of this, but he's like, um, Dr. Matthews was called by a previous professor at the University of Florida and said, hey, I need the best animator you have. Nowadays, there's great animation software. But back right. then, this was around 2001, there really wasn't, at least not accessible to the everyday guy. And mm. um, so I, I created a 3D model of the scene and then... Um, uh, basically took frames from the 3D model and strung them together at 15 frames per second, created this uh, this animation that worked really well. But it was weird because I saw, um, so the animation came off of my computer. I actually used my cousin's computer because it was much higher powered than the one that I had. And, uh, and then I'm looking at it, you know, a half hour later and it's on television. Well, when that was done, the, uh, the, the, person that had hired me on that um, to do that project said, hey, you're like really good at this. Would you like to continue doing this? 
And he's like, what are you doing? And I said, well, I'm teaching at the University of Florida. He's like, how much do you pay? It's like 15 an hour. He's like, I'll give you 64 if you leave today. Wow. So I called Dr. Matt, which <laughs> I'd never heard of 64 an hour. Never. Yeah. never. <laughs> Love you. Which I wouldn't even work at all for, for that price now, which is what's funny. But, but at the time, that was – so I, I went and talked to my professor, Dr. Matthew, who he was my boss for the teaching gig. And, uh, and I, I said – I told him what was going on and, you know, the pay raise and what I was going to be doing. And he's like, are they hiring? And he goes. Can <laughs> <laughs> I get yeah, exactly. on this <laughs> He said, he said, um, he goes, I, I, I really hate to lose you and I'm going to be very disappointed and upset. He goes, but I know what I would do. And it was kind of like, it was interesting. He was still teaching. He's like, look, you have a better opportunity. Yeah, it's going to cause me trouble. It's going to cause me problems. I'm going to have to find somebody. I'm going to have to fill in for you while you're gone. But I know what I would do. So yeah. he's saying, yeah. "Have some. You can either sit here and hang with me, or show a little bit of courage and improve your situation." In life. <laughs> Absolutely, that was a good lesson. It's like yeah. deal or no deal. He's like, uh, "Deal." Yep. Yeah. Ding, ding, deal. Ding, 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 ding. Have a Definitely. career. <laughs> Have your own career. So everybody's left now. They're sick of the 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 boring Mike story. So. So no. So all right. No, so you awesome. started doing this, and you know, on an average, how often? have to go what do you do like piece together something after the fact or do they call you when the accident actually happens like well i have uh that has actually happened before um so i've kind of bifurcated my life uh into um product and premises liability or car crash reconstruction the first few years that i did car crash reconstruction i got one and i don't want to mention it okay that's fine but i got one it was a young girl she had gone to um um, see the movie Ocean's Eleven. I went there with her friends. She gets stopped. The cops are trying to, there's a police chase. Police officer is on one road. He puts down stop sticks, tells her to stop next to the stop sticks. I guess, I don't know. I don't really know what the motive was to have her stop in the middle of the road. But the point is, is that that car that they were chasing did end up behind her and destroyed her car. Oh, and, okay. and it was smashed all the way up to the back seat and it killed her like right on the spot. But her father, well, like I said, I won't say names, but you can look up PursuitWatch.org. So this, he started this whole organization about, um, uh, he makes very clear it wasn't anti-police, but it was basically we need to improve how we do police pursuits mm -hmm. because there's way too many innocent people getting hurt getting and hurt. killed, yeah. including mm -hmm. her. Totally. Including, yeah. including her. And he, he, would be, he was so distraught that he himself would be gone within a year. Aww. He couldn't. He the the heartbreak was just too 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 big, too massive for him. It was, accept. and and so I'm sitting here reading about him talking about his kid, and he calls her Rue, and she's like the Winnie the Pooh character, yeah, and he yeah. is just absolutely, uh, you know, obviously in love with his daughter, like any father would be. But like they, you could see they had a really close and special relationship with one another, and as I, as I'm going through the file, I see all that stuff there. And then I see her autopsy photos, and I started freaking. And I would not take another car crash case for three years. And so all I did was it was it was very similar to the MVA I had on on the freeway. I would have to say it's almost like PTSD. It was, yeah, it was on was, a level. And so I started doing just construction. So I got became a certified structural masonry inspector. Did nothing but uh, structural work, and it would take me yeah about three years, maybe four years. Before I 
entered in with another company. I explained to them the problems that I had had in the past and that, you know, I'm going to try to, because I, I think I was doing really well with forensic type work and I had the idea that I could help people. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I kind of, so is that kind of also a motive for the, the, to parlay over to it was the, the actual being on that one end of helping people now to another end of helping people in a different way. Was that part of a motivation to you? Like it, that attracted you to that aspect of the business or was it purely just because you had the engineering background with the recreating and 3D images and being able to, to do that aspect or was it all just one big giant ball of <clears throat> this works for me? Oh, I, I would say both. Um, uh, I would say the aspect of the idea of having the courage to do what needs to be done uh, like we were talking about the nurses earlier, that mm-hmm. was part of it. Um, and my sister, she's a whatever, an RN or a nurse practitioner mm-hmm. or something like that, but she went to college for quite a while to be a nurse. I don't know what she did exactly. Yeah. But the point is, is that it it's exactly that type of thing, that if you want to be the person who's involved, who's actually affecting things, um, you, you have to have a little bit of courage. And so uh, I I... I it's kind of a, a process. Like when you're looking at, uh, when I when I went to school initially uh, for mechanical engineering, I was looking at companies in Brevard County because it's where I'm from, and most of those are either space-related or weapons design. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so maybe it was good that I didn't go Both of which into are cool, them. by the way. Yeah. <laughs> Say that for another that show, but that's good. cool. But I, I understand. I mean, obviously, that's that's what's down here. So what you're doing is piecing together what actually happened. You don't have to go to the real scene anymore, but you're working off of schematics, like that they or the information that they're giving you, and you're piecing it's it together. It's just a combination. That's correct. So it's kind of the application of mm-hmm. um, uh, physics. So there's a, a, a several several different modalities of um, of uh, approaches within the uh, uh, crash reconstruction that are applicable to other disciplines for sure, but that they've been kind of um, built around the different types of analysis that you would need that's common to crash reconstruction. And so what I do now is basically from beginning to end, it it depends on what evidence is available and the way that you approach the problem each Mm -hmm. time. But, um, you know, it's photographs going out to the scene, pulling the scene geometry, documenting the uh, evidence on the ground, scrape marks, tire marks, that sort of thing. Yeah, so it's... Physical, it's aerodynamics. It's, yeah, it's everything. Not much aerodynamics. Not with cars. No. Uh, cars n- well, no. Uh, we're yeah. Uh, the by the time the crash has already occurred, mm-hmm. uh, uh, I would say that aerodynamics itself does not does not Factor apply as much as it? yeah. I think it's just the overall yeah. physics of it. Uh-huh. It is the physics, yeah. correct? Okay. Speed, distance. That is that. You know, angles. Yeah, and we've done, and you also do a thing called, uh, it's like occupant kinematics, or the way that vehicles and uh, occupants or pedestrians interact with one another, yeah. and that has actually translated into a couple murder cases, including one, uh, some pretty popular one up in Georgia, so. Wow, yeah. and then you go, then you have to testify to your... Yeah, then you go to court and testify. Okay, yeah. to, to everything that you've put together, all your schematics, and what you feel that, um, or what you see as... How this whole thing happened? Well, it's not necessarily. It is. It is. Um, it is how I see it happen. But it's really. It's more than that. It's not. 
like, it's not like, well, I, I've looked at this, and in my opinion, you know, it's more based on fact. Well, it's okay. based based on actual evidence and then actual physics, like okay. laws of momentum and, 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 and things right. like that. Okay. So it's more compelling than just, it should be more compelling to the jury or the judge than just, than just, just this is opinion. what I think, right. Like an expert witness, but without actually examining something, just giving... Do you ever, and I know we've got to stop soon in a minute or so, but I just want to know, do you ever get called in as, um, like, kind of a witness where you haven't seen anything, and they'll they'll say to you, well, in your opinion, could this have happened? Like, we're going to show you everything. Do you think this could have happened? Like, you know... Uh, yes. To answer your question, yes, that would be an unusual question to say, do you think this could have happened? That's the kind of the realm of speculation. So there's a lot yeah. of things that could have happened. The threshold for in, in a civil engineering case, uh, obviously mm-hmm. it's different for a criminal case, is you've heard Judge Wapner, a preponderance of the evidence. A preponderance okay. of the evidence is greater than 50%. Okay. So if we have a, uh, if there's a case theory, and I can look at the evidence and I can do the applied physics and all that sort of sort of thing. Uh, and we look at that, and it's clear that we've mm-hmm. gone beyond the fifty percent threshold. Then we've we've proven our case. Okay, all right. Now, do you also um, ha- have you throughout the, this time doing it gained a reputation amongst the legal community as far as solid case, uh, you know, success rate, uh, success testifying? Like, did they look at you as like? This is kind of the go-to for this type of thing. Like, have you created that type of re- reputation in this field? Uh, I've had attorneys ask me that before. Uh, as, as far as my success rate, how many cases mm-hmm. have you won? Well, first of all, I don't win any cases. I mm-hmm. present an opinion. Mm-hmm. I will not take a case in which they tell me what to do, and I don't provide them the, that type of information. I'm not going to pimp myself based on my reputation. Right. Right. But okay. I do know from a couple of attorneys um, – that my reputation in a general sense is a straight shooter. Okay. So. Well, awesome. unfortunately. I could, I could, li- honestly, yeah, I, I could I, listen to this all day long. Yeah, there's a lot more that well, I, I hope would they like can, to understand. Yeah, I know. Yeah, well, uh, yeah, you know, but, if they want to learn sorry. something. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was extremely interesting. You can only talk uh, about dicks for so long. Yeah. And you have to talk about and, dead bodies. You know, I, I think. What you do is told you it's gonna be the most depressing. Sorry, <laughs> I don't say. think it was depressing no. at all. I love it. I think it was very, very informative, well, and, and I enjoyed it. And I enjoyed having you on. And again, I thank you for allowing us to be in this space. And um, I'm going to say to my uh, to my giggle bits out there, because that's what I call everybody. That we're we're so thrilled to have you. We're thrilled to have the guests that have come on our show so far, and. Hopefully, we have a lot more interesting guests for you to watch and listen to. And don't forget our our donated uh, organizations or to make donations to the organizations that we're um, talking about here, which is Breast Cancer and St. Jude's Children's Hospital. Give us a thumbs up. Donate. Um, you'll see on our website, funnyminds.com or funnyminds.podbean.com. You'll see what we're doing, um, who's going to be on future shows, and, you know, we're just looking to do a lot of fun things in the future. So thank you very much for being with us today. And How do we, we, find, a, how do we find Mike? Where, where 
where are you at? Oh, yes. Uh, I'm my... on Bush Boulevard. Uh, my company is Exigent Engineering, so okay. ESRF.com if you want to look it and up. And the musical and, project is? Uh, Gen X Existential, Shadow of the Valley, and hopefully that's out before Halloween. So, um, okay. But I appreciate you having me back. Yeah, oh, yeah. And keep in mind, this is a part two. So part one. See that as well. All these shows uh, segments will be archived. So That's thank right. you so much for joining us, Mike Bosworth. You're welcome. Thank you again. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Bye. Bye.